Hello, everybody, and welcome to our podcast, She Runs the Business and Can Run the World. My name is Michelle, and I'm glad to present you the whole team behind this wonderful podcast, Nizia, Laura, and Sebastian. All of us are full-time students of the MBA in Innovation and Entrepreneurship at the Gade Business School. It is my pleasure to have you all here. In this podcast, we talk about why women start less business than men in Mexico. Is it true that there are barriers that women engage in starting a new business? Do women fail more than men in entrepreneurship? Through our podcast, we're going to discover what women had lived when starting their business and what is the reality in Mexico. To do that, we have conducted some interviews and research and we intend to provide women a framework of what are the barriers that women face for starting the entrepreneurial path in Mexico and how to overcome them. For this series of four chapters of our podcast, we have conducted six interviews with Mexican women. They are entrepreneurs with extensive experience in different lines of businesses, ranging from the sales accessories for women, podcast, educational platforms, for sales of specialized materials, among others. Special thanks to Andrea Casares from Studercity, Ale Tejeda from Las Imparables, Zuleni Altamirano from Tisana Mexicana, Dulce Montemayor from Telas a Todo México, Natsira Ansures from Eshaki and Ansures Group, and Patricia Diaz from La Puntada y La Ciencia Emprender. Thanks for sharing with us their experiences, learnings, challenges, and advice. Well, this is our first episode called Woman and Her Role in Family. We would like to start with a question that Yuval Noarari asked in one of his most famous books, Sapiens. Is it the division into men and women a product of imagination or is it a natural division with deep biological roots? And if it is indeed a natural division, are there also a biological explanations for the preference given to men over women? It is foreseeable by talking to people in the streets that each person has developed an intuitive answer to this question, but the answers in many cases are far from scientific basis. On the contrary, it is fully of biases and learned prejudices, which reproduce traditional views without a well-developed background. You're right, Sebas. And to the prior question, Harari in his book Sapiens answers that, Some of the cultural, legal, and political disparities between men and women reflect the obvious biological differences between the sexes. Childbearing has always been a women's job because men don't have wounds. Yet around this universal kernel, every society accumulated layer upon layer of cultural ideas and norms that have little to do with biology. Societies associate a host of attributes with masculinity and femininity that for the most part lack a firm biological basis. If we share the view that male-female division regarding the roles played in a society is a constructed issue, we can understand that deep down there is no natural assignment of functions, but that this is an example of arbitrary historical division. Historically constructed, yes, but arbitrary in any case, in which women, as unfair as it may seem, have carried a very heavy burden. So Sebas, what do you think about that? 
Well, Michel, I think it's totally true. Indeed, Harari says that sex is a child play, that gender is a serious business. To get to be a member of male sex is the simple thing in the world. You just need to be born with an X and a Y chromosome. To get to be a female, it's equally simple. A pair of X chromosomes will do it. In contrast, becoming a man or a woman is a very complicated and demanding undertaking. Since most masculine and feminine qualities are cultural rather than biological, no society automatically crowns each male a man or even female a woman. And what does that mean? I mean, simply, it's that being a male or a female is a biological issue, but that being male or female is a complex issue that in general tends to be built on cultural grounds. Thus, a man will only be a man in a community when a series of masculinity meanings are attributed to him, and a woman will only be a true woman as long as she complies with a series of cultural impositions. That's a very interesting point. I was just thinking that these reflections on the division of roles, among other things, become especially relevant when we face situations of disparity of burdens, privilege of one gender over another, and especially the limitation of access to opportunities based only on the fact of being a man or a woman. In this podcast, we will address these and other discussions focused on the Mexican case. We want to know what is happening in Mexico. We want to test the view, which may or may not be the bias that Mexico is one of the most sexist countries in the region, and understand whether Mexican women are involved in more great complex dynamics than men to develop an enterprise. Join us in this adventure, which over four chapters hopes to answer these and other questions related to female entrepreneurship. And now let's listen to what Nate is about to share with us because she has a lot of interesting statistics on this matter. Thanks, Lau. Well, Mexico, according to the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, is one of the countries where burdens are most strongly assigned to women in terms of family roles. Following the Social Institution and Gender Index, Mexico is not the country where more discrimination based on sex is evidence, but it is a country where discrimination in the family is most strongly experienced in all of Latin America. The same index in the 2020 report shows that discrimination in the family is the most challenging dimension in the Latin America and the Caribbean region and its subregions underscoring the presence of deep social discrimination governing intra-household dynamics between men and women. And this being true for the entire region is particularly evident in Mexico, which represents the most dramatic case of all. In a ranking from zero to 100, where zero is no discrimination at all, and 100 is absolute discrimination, we score 60.4. We have terrible numbers in this sub-indicator of the index. Sorry to interrupt, Nitz, but also if we evaluate the number of entrepreneurs in Mexico according to the INEGI, for the more than 4 million of entrepreneurs that are in the country, just 9% are women, implying that 8 out of 10 entrepreneurships are started by men. Based on this data, can we assume that the family role discrimination is extrapolated to cases of entrepreneurship? And if so, what is the evidence for it? 
And how can we analyze the data in accordance to the stage in women's life? Does this vary from young women or older women? That's a very interesting question, Mitch. We will start by reviewing the issues related to women and family roles, and by analyzing these dynamics, we will try to reach some conclusions. To our audience, bear in mind that this is a series of four chapters, so in the next programs, we will keep discussing about women, her role, and the present and future of female entrepreneurship. As we pointed before, we did some interviews with female entrepreneurs here in Mexico. Some of our questions were related to the perception of the relationship between family role and entrepreneurship, and if there were variations due to the fact of being mothers. Dulce, founder and entrepreneur of Telas a Todo Mexico, was the most visible face of the challenges of motherhood and entrepreneurship. With an admirable personal history of studying, working, starting her own business and caring for her baby, she told us how hard it was for her to be trained when she was started. Because of the difficulties related to take care of a boy while working. That makes us think, should the mother be the only one taking care of the child while acquiring the skills to run her own business? What do you think about this question, It's Well, uh, without having sufficient elements to assure whether this question has an affirmative or negative answer in Mexican culture, the truth is that other women interviewed share the same perception. Motherhood, in many cases, is an obstacle to entrepreneurship and development. You're right, indeed. Tusa told us that the other job you have as a mom is something you don't get paid, but consumes a lot of your time. How can someone be an entrepreneur if you already have this big job? I believe this is one of the biggest obstacles for women to start an entrepreneurial path. You're completely right. Sulaini, for example, told us that even nowadays, there are opportunities for women to start businesses in a multi-level organization. And for her, Many of the difficulties for female entrepreneurship in Mexico are related to the idea of caring and attending their children. And there is no time to do a second job. Also, when we ask Patricia Diaz from La Puntada y la Ciencia de Emprender about the lack of entrepreneurship of Mexican women, she shared that in her opinion, women may not start a business because they have doubts about whether in their position as mothers, they can also play the role of entrepreneurs it can be a matter of believing in themselves. Do you share her views, Evans? Well, Nitz, I really don't know. Actually, I think this discussion puts us in the framework of a new question. Will having a child mean a limitation to entrepreneurship in the same way as it seems to be for mothers, for Mexican fathers? That is, does the father consider a limitation due to having a baby for starting a business? Is there a difference between women and men? Intuitively, we can answer that the situation is different depending on the gender of each parent. Well, I guess. Leaving this debate open, for the moment, let us focus on the figure of the father. Since Patricia told us that having had a husband was a true support for her business, she insisted many times that without the support of her husband, and mostly because of it, she was able to divide her role as a mother and entrepreneur. Patricia despite understanding that for some mothers, motherhood can be an obstacle in the entrepreneurship path, 
In her case, being a mother was a goal and a pleasure. So she needed both roles to have a fulfilled life and her husband, apparently, was a key for her realization. Well, what do you think about that, Mitch? Do you agree with said conclusion? Well, Sebas, at least in this case, the support from her partner by sharing some responsibilities of the business was vital to make it work. But can we then assume that the discrimination of burdens within the home and the search of balance is key for the success of the entrepreneurship of mothers? For the moment, the answer shall be that we're not sure, because we don't have enough elements to argue this point. In any case, it is an interesting debate on which we leave the discussion open. I agree on that, Mitch. When I'm thinking about motherhood and family, it is also true that children can be a decision factor in starting and sustaining a business, isn't it? Thus, on several occasions, we have seen that for a mother, having to raise a child becomes a basis for starting an entrepreneurship, advancing on it, and forming good people for society. Patricia, for instance, shared with us that from her point of view, there is no better way to teach children to have goals than to have goals for oneself as a mother. And with this, an interesting debate can also arise around the idea of motherhood not only as a barrier to start a new entrepreneurship, but also as a boost to creativity and effort. What do you think about that, Lau? I think you're right. But when I was listening to you, I was just wondering that not all women want to be mothers. Moreover, there are women who reject motherhood, and this put us in front of a new challenge to the cultural values of assigning the role of a woman. For women who are not mothers, Especially young women, the path does not look much easy either. I was almost thinking the same. Indeed, Andrea Casares from Studercity mentioned, and I quote, I have almost never spoken with a woman who has a strategic position within companies. They're almost always men. But what could be the reason for this perception, Mitch? I mean, Andrea is a young woman with high professional skills and with sufficient knowledge to be able to occupy in principle any job position. So why is Andrea so skeptical? Without a doubt, it may be a prejudice, but it can also be an expression of a general sense of hopeless future due to the adverse environment. For example, for some women, competing and applying for some positions has no sense at all because those positions are only for men. And this is only because of imaginary cultural rules. Needs. That unfortunately seems to be something in the mindset of some Mexicans. But as I can recall, another factor that we had evidence is that Jude is a limitation in entrepreneurship, isn't it? Well, Mitch, even when for some of our interviewees it was their perception, I truly believe that we didn't have sufficient elements to determine if youth is really a stumbling block for the female gender or if it's also occurring the male gender. In my case, as a Colombian man, a lawyer, and a graduate of a reputated law school in my country, I must say that on multiple occasions I faced the challenge of proving that youth was not a problem for having enough professional skills. Nevertheless, it wasn't easy to break such prejudice during my first years of practice. So, Sebas, following your personal experience, this is another interesting question to evaluate in this debate. Is a young woman perceived as inferior compared to a young man? We invite those who listen to this podcast to evaluate their experiences and write to us about them. 
to nurture this interesting debate. Well, we are already reaching the end of this first episode, but we would like to close with some conclusions about what we have learned. In my case, the first thing I learned is that in short, motherhood is a challenge for female entrepreneurship, either because society imposes very heavy burdens or because women themselves want to be mothers. Entrepreneurship will be impacted by this factor in one way or another. For me, the second thing is that Once being a mother, women should be supported by the father of her child to make her work as an entrepreneur easier. In any case, isn't the father also responsible for taking care of his son? There is also a third conclusion, that is that motherhood can assume a dual role. Either it can be the reason for stopping entrepreneurship due to the need to occupy time in the care job Or it can be the initiative to start a business thinking on forming, among others, a good child for the society. I see that there is also an insight from this episode, and it is that there is a concern about occupying certain jobs by women. Even when we do not have conclusive elements in the matter, it is possible that there are prejudices about jobs reserved for men, where women with high capacities are deprived for aspiring for. You're totally right, Mitch, and I think there is also a last conclusion that is related to the issue of women's youth and their intention to start a business. Although it is likely that youth can influence the success, we don't have enough elements to know if this has a differentiated treatment in men and in women. So that is the debate that we rise and that we can deal with in the future. That is also true, but time is over and we need to say goodbye for now. So thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you soon on the second episode of the podcast. 